0: Hello, my name is Winnie Bernard. You're now listening to the ICE podcast, a podcast about innovators, creators, and entrepreneurs from underrepresented communities. My guest today is Vivian Kay. Vivian is a ray of sunshine and spreads her infectious energy wherever she goes. Vivian's entrepreneurial journey started purely by accident. First, in 2006, with a design business that she literally fell into, and then again, in 2012, wanting to solve her own hair problem. Today, that business that she started without a plan, Kinky, Curly, Yakky, is a multi-million dollar online hair business. I had such a great time learning about Vivian's origin story, especially how she overcame so much to be where she is today. Meet the lovable and glorious Vivian K. Vivian, I'm just so excited that you agreed to do this interview with me, and I'm so excited to speak to you, excited to get to know you better, and I, and I know that you have so much value to uh, tell our audience that's either watching us or listening to us, so thank you, Vivian. Oh, you are more than welcome. Thank you for having me. Vivian, the first question I wanted to ask you is that I know that you were born in Ghana mm-hmm. and then your parents immigrated to Canada, mm-hmm. yet they chose a smaller community. They chose to move to Hamilton <laughs> versus Toronto. Why do you think they
1: decided that? Um, it's because my, my father had a brother that was already here. Which
0: happens often with immigrant uh, people.
1: Yeah, and and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if maybe at the time they were resettling immigrants into less populated areas, right? So, uh, yeah, he was already in Hamilton. um, So that's where we went. And, you know... And...
0: How was it growing up there in Hamilton, and again, the smaller community being a child of
1: immigrant parents? Um, It was, I wouldn't say it was difficult, but it was certainly, um, it was tough. uh, Mm -hmm. Just because we were, you know, we were immigrants (laughs) and we were visible minorities at the same time. So um, we were often uh, the only black family uh, at school or, you know, at the mall or wherever. Um, and so, you know, we, I got called all the names, you know, the jungle monkeys and the this, and of course we couldn't afford, you know, name brand stuff. Um, so we wore a lot of secondhand stuff. So there was that on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a, a skinny tomboy and I just took no guff. Like I was just like, You're ready. You're I was right. I was like, no, you can't tell me anything that I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to listen to. Right. So
0: do you think like growing up in a community where you're a visible minority and there's not a lot of you had an impact in your the choices that you made and who you became?
1: Um I think so. Okay. I think so. I think it certainly made me more aware of who I was Mm -hmm. Um, and they made me painfully aware that I was a black girl and I didn't see a lot of myself in the media Mm -hmm. you know uh, TV magazines or whatever so you know, I kept getting these messages that I wasn't beautiful, oh. and that I I don't and I didn't matter mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but something within me just said, no. You know what, Vivian? You are beautiful. You are your own version of cute, and you do matter. So, I just had that resolve within me.
0: So you grew up in Hamilton, mm-hmm. and then you decide to go to university, mm-hmm. but yet you decide not to continue on with mm. your university uh, trajectory. Right. What impacted that decision?
1: Um, uh, honestly, mental health. So um, while I was in university, um, I got pregnant, I miscarried, um, and, um, that that put me into a a deep, dark depression. Um, And so I couldn't focus on my, on my schoolwork. Um, So then I decided to just quit, like it wasn't, um, I didn't take the decision lightly. Uh, Because I would have been the first. Like My sisters, they had their college degrees, but I would have been the first. To go to university. To go to university. Um, And I didn't take that lightly. But I decided at the time, I just needed to do what was best for me.
0: Yeah.
1: What did you do afterwards? Uh, I worked. Okay. I worked a lot. Um, I actually tried to go back to university. So I went to a U of T program um, to sort of try to get myself back into it. But even then, it was like, no. No, I've done enough. I've tried enough times. I think I'm good on post-secondary. So
0: you're working full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just hustling on. Mm-hmm. And then in 2006, mm-hmm. you sort of like first dip your toes into entrepreneurship. Yes. But it's like a side hustle. Yes.
1: Can you tell me about that? Uh, so yeah, so I'm one of four girls, yes, and my and I'm number two. So number one was getting married. Um, and she needed a decorator okay uh, so she had hired you know we're in Hamilton so she had hired a decorator from Toronto who said she would do everything we needed done for I don't know say a thousand dollars yeah um, and then about two weeks before the wedding she all of a sudden says I'm gonna need another thousand dollars to do what I promised like I was that. going to just like that no explanation just she decided she needed more money yeah. um, and of course my sister didn't have that kind of money to just you know to give to her Absolutely. so then um, she ended up having to hire some random decorator in Hamilton, and she did a Hamilton job. No offense to <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> <Biggest> Hamilton. <laughs> but uh, you know, and I thought, man, like it doesn't make any sense. Like, why aren't people doing what they say they're going to do? Absolutely. Um, and so then I thought, you know, we don't need, You know, I'm not the type of, we're not the type of family who needed to put down payments on, like, you know, a a mortgage or a house down payment Mm -hmm. on wedding decor. We just need something that's simple yet fabulous. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then that's when I started Vivian's Decor. Ooh. Yeah. So it was an
0: opportunity that sort of like came about. But did you know how to run a business?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. So what, how did you do it? Uh, well, I ran it as a side hustle at first. Okay. So for four years, I ran it as a side hustle. Um, you know, as with everything I did, I did, in, I did it in small steps. Yes. I was really good at talking with customers mm-hmm. and, you know, getting them to hire me. So it's like, okay, so I got them to hire me. Now I got to figure out how to do the stuff that they hired me right. for, right? Um, and so then I just researched. I would research and research and research um, I would uh, show them designs from big name decorators and just say, listen, I'm, this isn't what I'm going to do, but I can do something similar. I can do your budget version of that. Okay. Um, and then from there, um, I would hire people to come in and do the decor and they would teach me how to do it. Okay. And then uh, from there, I was like, OK, I think I got it. Like, you know, after about four or five weddings, they showed me what to do and how to do it. Um, and they were also a rental place. So they were like they were my key. So I would go in and rent everything that I needed until I could build up my own inventory. And then I just, that's how I ran it. I would book one wedding and use all the money from that wedding to buy my inventory. Um, And then eventually by, you know, by say 2010, I had all my own inventory. But Um, was designing like passion of yours it was like okay. i was i was always watching that i don't know if you remember that show on tlc um where they were decorating i can't remember what it's called but they would decorate their house i would sit and watch the marathon okay. it's like i was always into that sort okay. of thing and plus i like i'm a more simple like i don't like that over extra you know that type of thing it was just simple but fabulous which is like me so nice. <laughs>
0: At first, Vivian only worked in decor as a side hustle, which she was able to do because she had a supportive boss at her full-time job. But then she got a new boss and eventually lost her job, so her side business became her full-time gig. Things were going very well until 2012 came around and Vivian dipped her toes into something completely different, the black
1: hair extension market. So what was happening was I needed to look quote unquote presentable. Okay. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it's um, so with black women we mm-hmm. we have this standard of beauty that we need to um, that we have to emulate. So a lot of us were relaxing our hair and doing mm-hmm. all the things to make our hair uh, bone straight, which isn't the way that it grows out of our heads. But I wanted something that looked present, like that looked authentic on mm-hmm. me. Um, and what I was finding is when I went to go look for uh, weaves yeah. that they were all that silky, wavy, yeah. Brazilian, Malaysian. Nothing that looked like it grew out of my head. Okay. And I was tired of that whole African in the front and Indian in the back. And what that <laughs> means is, you know, we have, most of us have really naturally curly hair, yeah. and then we're wearing these straight Indian textures and it doesn't blend. <laughs> <laughs> you can obviously tell you're wearing not your hair, yeah. right? So I didn't want that for myself, especially in the business that I was doing here in the greater Toronto area. I wanted to look presentable, okay. especially because as a black woman, I just didn't want to fall into any stereotypes, Okay. right? Okay. Um, and so then I searched and searched for textures that looked like my hair. But what I found was that they were buried okay. underneath all these silks. People were textures not buying because them. people weren't really buying them okay. because they say you know nappy hair equals bad hair.
0: Oh wow! Right? Okay. Kinky
1: hair is not the the hair that you want to have, um, but it's the hair I wanted to have. So I went and uh, found some hair and I wore it to a black girl meetup and I wore it to a meetup and a a girl came and asked me who my hairdresser was, what my regimen was to get my hair to look like that. And I was like, girl, this is a weave. And she said I would buy that. And and she was like, yeah, I was like, ding, 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 because if I bought it and she would buy it then there's got to be at least a dozen other women that would would buy it, right? And so in the down season of of my wedding business, so in December 2012, I launched Kinky Curly yaki.
0: Woo! (laughs) So, Vivian, like, you sort of touched on it, that you said you went to a meetup and somebody saw your hair. But I remember 2012, and 2012 was really not the time where people were sort of wearing their hair naturally as mm. they are in terms of extensions as they are right now. Yep. The movement that started and yep. this um, reclaiming the natural hair, mm-hmm. but it was not as prevalent as it is right now. Absolutely. So how did you know that there was actually a market for what this girl sort of confirmed for you?
1: Right. Well, what it was is that I sort of inadvertently created a community. Around the tech, around kinky hair. Okay. Uh, so I was on the face. I was in Facebook groups and I was in um, Black hair- Girl Hair forums, okay. um, where other people were also wearing these textures. But you would not know because it looked like their hair. That's right. And this was also with the rise of YouTube. So a lot of Black girls were getting on YouTube and showing us how to actually wear our hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, protective styling is a huge thing in the Black hair uh, world because our hair isn't suited to this North American environment no it's not um so we tend to wear a lot of protective styles so if you see beyonce oprah any black woman that's in the in the hollywood she's probably wearing a protective style absolutely like i am right now exactly like i am right now yeah yeah you didn't know (laughs) (laughs) now you know now you know (laughs) but um so at the time listen it didn't go like when i started it people were like well why would i buy nappy hair like why would i why would i buy that like I can grow that myself, or I would prefer to have this silky Brazilian stuff because that's good hair. And I thought, you know what? That's okay. Like, I know there's women like me mm-hmm. who want to go to work and just wear their hair as it is and not have anyone ask them about mm-hmm. it, or not have another woman come and ask them where they bought it from. That's right. Right? So um, I wasn't really concerned about the naysayers. I was just concerned about people like me. hmm who wanted to wear their hair naturally. So you were sort of catering to a very
0: niche market. Absolutely. So how did you know where to get your product? Like, because having an idea is one, doing it for yourself is one. But how did you know how to, one, get your product, and two, did you have any money to do this?
1: Um, So how I knew how to get the product was when um, when I was looking for myself, so I was trying to solve my own problem, I found a factory that actually created it. And this was before I even knew I was going to do a business. So I had them tweak it, tweak it, tweak it, so that I was happy with it. Okay. Um, and so then I just worked with them via the internet. Like mm-hmm. the internet, this is the best time to be alive if you're an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Because the internet is so, like you can learn how to run a business. You can, uh, you know, find your suppliers. You can do everything on the internet. You can be on a beach and running your business from the phone, right? Absolutely. So, so that's how that's how I found my suppliers. And then what Did was- Did you have you? any money? Oh, well, you know- all To I, invest in this? Not, you know, not really. Okay. Um, because again, I didn't start out None of my businesses actually started with a plan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just, honestly, I just, I had an idea. Okay. And I just went for it. Okay. Um, And so then what I would do is I started small. And I strongly suggest anyone who's starting a business start small. There's nothing wrong with starting small. But what I did was I, someone would buy one bundle of hair or two bundles of hair. I would take the money. Mm Mm-hmm. And buy four, and then you know take if someone would buy four, like you know, and I would slowly build that way, like you know those Rubbermaid bins that have the drawers. Yes, that's that's how I started my business. Like that was my inventory.
0: Was the business profitable from the get-go with this small, small, small? It was,
1: it was. I so every single dime that I had earned, like all the profits, all I did was I reinvested to buy more inventory. Like the market was hungry because I was the first company to only sell textured hair extensions. And this is why being a niche, like niching your products Mm -hmm. or niching your your brand or your company, I guess you could say, is super important because you're speaking to a very specific group of people. Absolutely.
0: So when did you know from having that little drawer thing where you were putting the hair, when did you know it was time to scale the business?
1: I didn't. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> and, and you know it was like so you ever see like a snowball at the top of a mountain and it just sort of rolls 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 yes. rolls and at the bottom it's like this huge snowball yeah. that's a, that's actually what happened so it's okay. not like i i scaled on purpose it okay. just happened it just happened yeah okay. and so then um you know eventually you know i grew out of that rubbermaid bin and then i had <laughs> these shelving in my apartment okay and then from my apartment I moved it to my parents' basement. And then from my parents' basement, I moved it to my own. I renovated like profits from the company. I renovated, I bought a house, renovated the basement, ran the the business from my basement. And then I outgrew the basement. And now I'm in a a 1,000 square foot warehouse.
0: We'll be back with more Vivian K. Looking for a custom order for t shirts or sweaters for your company or your special event? Antica, that's E N T K, can print it for you. Affordable and ethical. Get them your designs, they will take care of the rest. Visit them at entk.ca. That's E N T K.ca. From keeping hair in a rubber maid to working out of a warehouse, in seven years, Vivian was able to turn her company into a multi million dollar business. So I had to
1: ask her what she attributes to her success. Honestly, it's being grateful. Okay. And having um, just the balls to just do it. Yes. Because I had all these obstacles in my way that... Anyone else Anyone else who probably would have encountered these, mm-hmm. these obstacles would have just thrown in the towel. Mm-hmm. But I was like, all the more reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Because one, I don't see anyone that looks like me doing it. No one can do it like me. Mm-hmm. And why not? Why the hell not?
0: Well, let's talk about obstacles, because every entrepreneur goes through obstacles. Some mm-hmm. of them would be financial. Others could be emotional. Mm-hmm. Others could be resources. What were some of your obstacles that you faced?
1: Uh, well, uh, just about almost a year into my business, I found out I was pregnant. Okay, <laughs> that was a huge obstacle. <laughs> um, so I had a growing business, um, and then found out I was pregnant. Um, and then in, in March of two thousand fourteen, I gave birth to my son. Okay, um, he's five now. He's super awesome, and um, you know. Uh, I was growing, I had this growing business, I had this newborn baby, and my son's father said, hey, we should, you know, we already have this baby, we should go into business together. Ooh, baby, ooh, let's do this, right? And I was like, like, yeah, yeah, let's do this, right? And then he left. (laughs) Oh. He left. I while. can laugh about it now, yeah.
0: So he literally left after you guys decided to go into business together. Yeah,
1: so we incorporated uh, Kinky Kurliaki in 2015, okay. and by September, he was gone.
0: Was he uh, a named partner in this oh, business?
1: Oh, yeah. So I would foolishly given him 40% of the business. Oh, wow. Um, and please don't do that. Don't do that. Um, yeah. I foolishly, well, you know, what I did, I did it because I thought that I was doing this for my son. Yeah. Even though every bone in my body said don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah. But I, um, I wanted my son to have his father in his life and by giving him a percentage of my business, yeah. I thought that that's what would help keep him there.
0: But it didn't.
1: It did not. So how did you overcome that? Now you're giving
0: 40% of your business to mm-hmm. someone that is peace out
1: when you've built this business. Yep. How
0: do you overcome
1: this? Um, well, uh, he decided to move to a different province okay. and so he was basically was, you know, reaping the benefits of my work. Um, and I just one day just said, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of this. This isn't working. Um, and then we unfortunately had to go to lawyers. So okay. I had to take him to court. Um, I'm proud to say in August of 2017, I reclaimed 100% of my business. That's amazing. Um, but it's a mistake that, um, you know, could have it could have held me down i'm not gonna lie i did get a little depressed because here i was running a million dollar business yeah. but i couldn't keep a man
0: yeah
1: right and so, so you
0: you were equating that to right i'm successful in business and that should be successful in my personal right. life as well right without right. focusing on what was really important
1: right yeah right and what was really important was Doing what's best for me, absolutely. Because whatever I do for myself, I'm doing for my child.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So we're in 2019. Mm-hmm. You opened your business mm-hmm. uh, in 2012, mm-hmm. kinky curly yaki, that is. Um, the hair industry has really changed mm. since then. Yeah. In terms of the black hair industry, in terms yeah. of extensions for women, mm-hmm. people are embracing mm-hmm. their kinky hair. Mm-hmm. So these companies have literally grown out of everywhere. Mm-hmm. How do you stay current mm. and how do you continue to grow your customer base as well as your profits? Right. Yourself?
1: Um, well, because I started in 2012, again, I was the only company at yeah. the time that was only selling kinky textures. So I created the niche. Okay. So I, I basically established my dominance and plus I'm a black woman. Mm-hmm. A lot of these companies that have come up after me are actually chinese-owned companies yes. with black women fronting for them yes. um and so then what i focused on is my brand i okay. built a brand um and you know um as a community black women like to support their own yes or at least i would hope so <laughs> um and so then i um i had to actually start to put my face as the brand i okay. had i really had no plans to do that okay but i felt that um that was my competitive advantage was that I am you. Yes. I get high on my own supply. <laughs> <laughs> right? I know what it feels like to have a failed twist out. I know what it feels like when you don't want to take your box braids out. Yes. Whereas they really don't know that. They Absolutely. don't know this, the you know, they don't understand what 4C hair is or what 3B curls look like. I do. So I use that to my advantage. And so then that has helped to build my company and create a sustainable brand. Okay,
0: so we all know that if you're not on social media, it's like you don't exist. Right. Whether you're a brand or a person, what role has social media played in your marketing strategy?
1: Huge. Okay. Huge role. Well, this me is more about yeah, that. so what? Instagram started in 2011. Yeah. So by December 2012, I was on Instagram. Okay. So I was one of the few hair extension companies on Instagram. Okay. And so then I built my and I built my business via social media. And then um, I actually made use of influencers. At the time, they weren't known as influencers; mm-hmm. they were just girls who were vlogging yes. and you know doing whatever. And so uh, a lot of these girls were new. They had like you know say under ten thousand followers. When ten thousand followers was a lot, yes. um, <laughs> right? And. Mm-hmm um we basically built our brands together Okay. Um, and so then with the using influencers and social media and word of mouth mm-hmm. um, and the brand obviously having a strong brand is what absolutely helped grow my business
0: so you're a strong supporter of entrepreneurs or female entrepreneurs women of color entrepreneurs absolutely and you regularly give talks whether you sit on panel in fact we met on a panel yeah, at yeah. a conference and I was saying to you before we uh, uh, got on uh, camera and audio here is that we got on immediately and I knew that, I didn't know how, but I knew that I would be seeing you again and it would be in some sort of capacity where we'd be having conversations Mm -hmm. that could literally help other people. Mm -hmm. And I already knew that. I didn't know it was gonna to be today. But <laughs> so th- you put it into the universe you and you manifest it, right? Yeah. And one of the things that you do because I followed you on social media, I, I really I laugh a lot because you're <laughs> funny and you're yourself. And and the one thing that I think you know how to do really really well is to be yourself.
1: Oh, I can do that very well. Yes.
0: <laughs> what advice would you give to uh, female entrepreneurs or? Uh, entrepreneurs from underrepresented communities uh, what advice would you give them in terms of how should they utilize social media to sort of propel their brand
1: to the next level to the next level well yeah. you know what you don't want to do is compare yourself That's so right. comparison is like the thief of your joy and your That's happiness right. so first of all don't follow people that make you feel like can, we, can I swear? Of course you can. All right. So don't <laughs> follow people who make you feel like shit. No. Right? So um, it's very important that you're, you are yourself because that's where you're going to find your people. That's where you're going to find your tribe. Yeah. So you don't have to go and be authentic like me or be authentic like you. You have to be authentic like you. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I found that in doing that, and also being vulnerable, mm-hmm. because you know, being an entrepreneur right now is really sexy. So you know, everyone's got a meme, and they've got you know, oh, I'm a girl boss, and blah blah blah. But I keeps it real. Being a girl boss is hard, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I'm willing to share that, yeah. um, and I'm you know I'm, I'm willing to share all the obstacles that I've been through, and all my experiences, and all my wins. Absolutely. Um, so as long as you just be authentic to you, the people on social media will find that, they, you'll find your tribe.
0: As if all of Vivian's accomplishments as a female founder weren't enough, she also wanted to help support female entrepreneurs who wish to forge their own paths. So she also started offering coaching services.
1: What I found was that there were a lot of coaches and a lot of people um, out there that were doing these coaching services, but actually didn't have any experience okay. actually running a business. In fact, being a coach was their business. Um, and so then what I did was I set out to be, um, you know, since I, I, I've been there, I've done that, I've got a lot of receipts, I'm, I'm one that you can rely on to help you um, to get through that, that clutter right because i give you real tangible advice and, and tangible and something that you can actually action on yes. um so what i do is i go in and i find i would help you fine tune the back end of your shopify i'd help you with your branding your marketing and your business operations mm-hmm. And so then I offer that to anyone that needs it. So if you even if you have a, a, a business idea yes. and you just need someone to be like, Yes, you should totally do that. Or no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I actually spoke with a client the other day and you know, she has this business that she hasn't had any sales, and I asked her why she was doing it, and she had no idea why. And I'm like, Well, that's why you don't have sales, because you don't know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So I help you sort of navigate Mm-hmm. The, the the business space or if you're an established business um, I would be your second set of eyes so okay. we would go in you know look at your business operations look at your um, the back end of your website and get you all cleaned up because there's no point in getting all these uh, all this traffic to your website and all these sales if your operations and your back end is a mess absolutely you have to be ready for scaling so that you know I've been there done that so I know what it takes to get to a million dollars so I help you navigate through that.
0: So let's talk about support because literally that service is supporting other entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. What do you think uh, other entrepreneurs from underrepresented communities such as myself or others can do to help the next generation to make sure that they see entrepreneurship
1: like something that's viable Mm -hmm. um, and that we want to keep them? in there. Well, one of the things that I see a lot of is people seem to think that what they learned is proprietary. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. and it's like you can't. You need to be able to help other people, and the only way you can do that is by sharing with what sharing what you know. What you know isn't rocket science, but you know what, to someone else, it might be. Yeah. So don't be afraid to share the wealth of knowledge that you've accumulated, and then also trust people we have a huge trust issue Mm -hmm. um and you know sometimes i get people who look like me and i say you know i run a million dollar business and they're like they don't believe it
0: yeah
1: right and it's like yeah i do and i didn't i didn't have someone i didn't have i I did it with no uh, without any outside capital or or mom and dad helping me i literally grew this shit from the ground up yeah so I know what I'm talking about, yes, right. so just don't be afraid to ask. I always say, "What would Chad do?" And who's Chad? Chad is your generic white guy.
0: Okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you took like the whitest name, Chad. Chad, Chad, <laughs> Chad,
1: Josh, and Brad. Okay, but I like Chad. Chad rolls off the tongue. But I always say, you know, people are like, "Oh, well, I don't want to because I look like this or I feel like this," and I'm like, "Would Chad say that?" Exactly. With that, with a mediocre, like, there's a lot of mediocre white men running around. Yeah, we know. Doing shit, <laughs> like being the president. That's right. And doing things that they should not be doing. But you know why he's doing it? Because he has the balls. That's right. He believes in he himself. He believes in himself. Yeah. So if Chad can believe in himself,
0: you so can, can believe you.
1: In yourself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah.
0: Vivian, what brings
1: you joy? <sighs> so much. So much. Um, you know what? Being able to shine as brightly as I do, Um, because I believe that with my shining and with all the obstacles and just being myself and not being that perfect 10 or whatever, you know, standards we're supposed to live up to, by my shining, it shows, it gives other people permission to shine too. So that brings me joy when someone says, Vivian, I did that thing because you told me to do it. Or you you inspired me to do it. Or I was about to not do that thing, and then I thought, what would Chad do? Yes, Chad. And I did it because Chad does it. Chad does it every so day. So Vivian's gonna do it too. <laughs> <laughs> what's next for you, Vivian? Ah, uh, what's In terms next of your for business? Uh, you know what? It's it's sharing more of my shine. Okay. Um, uh, Kinky Curly is at a point where I've done like you know it's running it's running it's self sufficient so okay. you know and now it's just you know doing you know the occasional tweaks and you know managing social media and that type of thing but for Vivian K, mm-hmm. um, it's more about spreading the message of you can do anything um, and and sharing my knowledge so you're going to be seeing a lot more of Vivian I want K. To. <laughs> That's my awkward wink. <laughs>
0: Vivian, thank you so much uh, for your time today. It's oh, you're been absolutely such a pleasure welcome. to speak with you. And I know that our viewers and audience are going to be so excited to hear your story because you're, you're a bright light. Thank oh, you. Thank you. I,
1: I really appreciate you saying that.
0: That's all for now. Thank you for listening. The ICE podcast was executive produced by me, Winnie Bernard. Our producer and editor is Alison Vicrobeck. Our associate producers are Sarah Foster and Talara Nersassian. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. For more ICE content, go to our Instagram page at ICE Podcast. Bye for now.